Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Somebody Save Us, a weekly podcast where each and every episode we take a deep dive into each and every episode of the 2000 smash TV hit Smallville. Uh, This week we're doing episode 19, Crush. It was written by Alfred Goff, Miles Miller, and Philip Levins, and directed by James Marshall. Its original air date, May 7th, 2002. And just want to give a big, big, big shout out to uh, all the small villains or Smallville-lites or... No, no, I don't know how those... Small, Smallville appreciators... Uh, Hey everybody, Steve here. Uh, it was at this point in the podcast that we, I, I don't know what happened. We like intercepted some kind of alien signal or something, but whatever it was, it uh, rendered our audio for a little bit here inaudible. So I just wanted to do a little bit of ad- after podcast recording and convey the message that Paul and myself wanted to convey in the first place. And that is to say a huge uh, heartfelt thank you to everybody who listens to the show, whether you've done it once or whether you continue to come back, whether you've listened to every episode once or an episode here or there or each episode multiple times, um, what happened is just a few days after New Year's, very early into 2020, we passed 1,000 total listens for our show, uh, a show that has maybe 20 episodes, um, 20 full episodes, and that's... um. That's huge. That's a milestone Paul and myself didn't think we were going to make this soon, uh, if at all. And uh, we're really humbled and flattered by that. So, uh, again, on Paul's behalf and mine as well, a big, big thank you to everybody who listens to the show, everybody who's checked us out, everybody who continues to uh, come on this journey to revisit Smallville, uh, something you either loved from back in the day or something we're introducing you to and hopefully you guys have had some laughs with us and uh and enjoyed some of the insight Uh, again we'd love a little more feedback interaction from you guys feel free to do so whenever you want uh and don't be shy that being said uh i guess time for the theme song we'll be back to breakdown crush right after this Hey, Paul, how's it going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Steve. Uh, not too bad. It's uh, it's the beginning of the year, so it's, you know, it's back to the back to the grind and uh, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, agree. I agree. All the holiday time is pretty much used up. Yeah. Is that weird yeah. part of the year where there's like no long weekends? There's no nothing. It's basically, you know, yeah. back to the like you said, back to the grindstone. Yeah. And I've, I've managed to like totally sabotage my plans for like gym stuff and, oh, it's fantastic. Oh, Oh, the last two weeks is, it's been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. I, I back on the, um, fitness and healthy diet wagon tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I I regret decisions that were made Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. both, both. Physically, uh, dietary wise, and um, and as far as like spending and credit goes, <laughs> just a disaster of a month, December. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I don't regret though is that one thousand listens that we've got. Ooh, 
it sounds so good. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, if you look at, and we're gonna do. Um, Paul and I have been discussing kind of behind the scenes what we're gonna do at the end of season one, and we figure we are going to stop Smallville episodes for a week or two. We're gonna do episodes. We just we just kind of like maybe year one in review, top ten moments, kind of things like that. Um, I forget where I was going with that thought. Just to, you know, give us time to to spin up season two. Yes. And then also uh, finish up our crisis episodes as well. Yes. Crisis is, um, is it this week that the last two episodes are out? No. Uh, the 14th oh. will be the last two back to back. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah. So you'll get um, the day you are listening to this. Let me open up a calendar. That'd be the sixth they will be getting this one. Yeah, this episode will release on uh, the sixth at midnight. Uh, and then so the next crisis episode from us will come out on the 13th. Uh, right. We're going to leapfrog week to week to week on this one. Yeah. Um, and like I said, then we're going to do some just some like fun episodes as filler. We're going to bank a whole bunch of season two episodes before we get into releasing them. Um Again, just want to make sure that we're really consistent with what's coming out for you guys. Um, yeah. And we want to keep you guys updated. This is why we do this, I guess, spiel at the beginning of the show, sometimes at the end of the show, um, mm -hmm. where you guys are probably just, you know, shut up and talk about Smallville. <laughs> we want to know what happened. We come to the Smallville podcast to hear about Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> A weird idea, you guys. We know, but... What if we did so a let's small talk about podcast? Episode 19, Paul. Crush, uh, give us your impressions. Okay, so I remembered I, uh, a few weeks ago when I actually first, like, started the episode. And I just watched kind of the first few seconds. It shows, like, the the whole, like, rainy outside. And then it went inside the room. And you see, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Adam Brody. God. Adam Brody, and I was just like, "Oh man, shit!" And I, I, I just kind of tapped out. But I was so wrong. Like this is, I, I just remembered it wrong. Like I actually like this episode a lot. I, I have to agree. I was, um, I remember texting you as soon as I had finished watching it and like writing my notes, and like I was not ready for the emotional impact of that episode. Um, yeah. I started the episode, like kind of. I don't know, in a weird mood. I guess I was a little bit cocky. I was ready to um, maybe uh, uh, throw some jokes at it. In Like, I, I just wasn't expecting it to be good. So I kind of mm -hmm. went in expecting to, like, I don't know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and it, I guess it kind of starts that way. It's a, the, the beginning is really weak, and it kind of makes sense, but it's weird that the a line or the a story in this is absolutely the weak aspect of it the b the, story is the way more interesting part yeah yeah well the, the other thing too is that they do the thing right away where basically they establish in the cold open that that justin is like a is is like psychotic immediately and yet you still kind of like him 
kind of. I think Adam Brody's just kind of a likable guy. Uh, like I, 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 it's one of my notes, but it's it's pretty much notes during the cold open. Like I am an unironic OC fan. I love the OC. I still love the OC. If they wanted to reboot that series or continue it and just bring back the original cast, surviving members, and continue on yeah. with it, I would absolutely one hundred percent be in. Um, and Adam Brody as Seth was just a, a massively great character to me. Uh, and I've seen Adam Brody play like snivelly, um, douchebaggy kind of guys, and you still kind of like him. He's just I don't know a weirdly likable dude you know what he is he's a better version of jesse eisenberg i was actually thinking the same thing i was thinking <laughs> like he could have actually played zach snyder's lex Luthor if you wanted him to <laughs> he might have actually gotten away with it better because i will say i think uh adam brody has more charisma than uh jesse eisenberg yeah whereas jesse eisenberg just comes off as a little snivelly and pompous Right. Uh, Adam Brody at least comes off as pompous and fun. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Sarcastic in a fun way. Yeah. Like he's, I, I don't know. I was going to say playful. He like a playful dick, but playful dick sounds weird. To me. <laughs> don't say playful something dick. Like, this is a kid's show, man. This is, this is <laughs> a new year. You've already dick said yourself. Yeah. This is 2020, Steve. There's no place for that. All right, uh, let's get into this episode. Let's then. actually do this. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but like I said, we we kind of open on a real dark and stormy night situation. Um, and uh, we kind of enter through the window into kind of the arts and crafts space of the Metropolis Children's Hospital. And uh, onto the beautiful features of one Adam Brody, uh, who we learn a moment later is called Justin uh, when his he's drawing, uh, although from where he was standing initially and because of the movements of his arm, I just assumed he was painting because of how he's moving his, his hand. I thought for sure he was painting and I was actually a little surprised to see that he was drawing. Well, yeah, you don't really have the reveal yet though, of, as to why he would be That's, making those big movements. Yeah. But he's interrupted by his doctor who is basically just coming in to say his farewells. Um, and he kind of just, he asks Justin how he's doing. And then, so he kind of just turns his like easel a little bit toward him and we get to see a bit of his art drawn. Uh, and it kind of looks like what I would draw with my right hand. Are you left-handed? Oh yeah. So am I. Yeah. And so so is he. And so is he. Oh, he is. Oh, my God. It's a conspiracy. We're taking over, folks. Yeah. Southpaws unite. Uh, but yeah, so so not so great. Um, and but then we the, the doctor goes into kind of a little bit of a spiel that the uh, that he wanted to to go to the like the conservatory to be like a pianist um, or or a violin player or something. And he was told that he had the hands of a surgeon. And so he decided to become a surgeon. And he's trying to use this as a way to kind of cheer up Justin, but it's just pissing him off. There, uh, Adam Brody does some of the best, like, 
face acting uh, at, I've seen at least yeah. in this series but it, but in like a long time in this little cuz he's there's just a second where he's like kind of you can see that he's listening and then it dawns on him like what what the fuck are you telling me why are you b- telling me this selfish story about yourself and he just like the amount of like just disdain and kind of shock and surprise and, and just like he can't comprehend what his doctor is saying to him it just portrayed in his facial movement over like three seconds is fantastic yeah and he kind of the doctor right before he leaves he's like hey you're young you still got lots of time to find something else to be good at and like as as he's walking away justin is staring after him kind of quietly says have a nice life dr wells Oh, I didn't catch that his last name was Wells. I'm sure it's not significant in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> not that Dr. Wells. <laughs> but it is Dr. A Dr. Wells. Um, but uh, so we it kind of cuts out into the hallway leading to the elevator. I guess like the doctor's wife was waiting outside the room for him. And we kind of learn just from the little snippet of conversation that he probably is a bad dude and a worse doctor because like his wife is like, well, what do you think he'll like try to sue? And he's like, uh, he's like, if he had any evidence, he should, he's like, he should be lucky. He's alive. He's alive because of me, basically. Um, and while this is happening, some low rent Rob Zombie starts playing in the background. I always I had the exact same note. I'm like, is this actually Rob Zombie or just a ripoff? Uh, it's so uh, it, could, it could totally be like Power Man. 3,000, 5,000, 8,000? How many thousands was Power Man? Over 9,000. Ooh. <laughs> Stay tuned for Dragon Ball Z and review. That will <laughs> oh, be the no. longest podcast ever. We're just like, uh, so they scream for five minutes. Yeah, he's Nothing's screaming happening. and he's building up energy. <laughs> Nothing's screaming. happening. Piccolo looks pissed. <laughs> hey, Goku died again. <laughs> Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z cast. Uh, Followed but, directly by the OC cast. Yeah. Or it's 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 both somehow. The Dragon uh, OC cast. But so while this is playing in the background, we see Justin flip the bad drawing to like a fairly good approximation of the dock. Kind of it looks it looks like kind of like a. Um, like a watercolor painting, almost. It is very weird. Yeah. The, the that the the art style of it, I guess, because it seems to me, mm-hmm. and it's got to be what it is. Is it's like really early, um, like computer drawing pad drawing. Oh, you right. You know what I mean? Like okay. like that coloring can like a slate. I, mean, I guess it could be done earlier than that that style but the coloring to me reeks of like kind Digital. of photoshop effects right yeah i mean i i believe that's just what it is i mean the one that the, of chloe later in the episode is sort of the same thing but better i think better likeness do you think so really i'd have to go back because i think the one of chloe doesn't look like her at all it's a better like likeness than it is of the doc like you get you get the idea of what they're going with with the doctor, but it doesn't really look that much like him. Um, but as he stares at it, the elevator starts to fall and 
of course, because this is like ele- an elevator on TV, it's kind of stopped between floors. And now say it with me, kids. Never try getting out of an elevator in this situation. <laughs> it, it has never gone well in the history of visual media. Yeah, always something's getting cut off. <laughs> always. I thought his wife was going to get it somehow. Like, I couldn't well, remember it, it at all. I mean, like, I get that the doctor in this is kind of like a Stephen Strange. Mm. You know, like, he's he's kind of an asshole. He's being really arrogant. Mm. But he, I think he's really speaking the truth to Justin. And he's like, look, you've got your entire future ahead of you. You're young. I'm yeah. sorry I couldn't fix your hands. Like, you got, it was a hit and run. You got hit by a car. He's right. a doctor, not a miracle worker. It doesn't sound like he was negligent. Although I guess he does uh, have those malpractice. Yeah. Things. Justin does bring up malpractice suits, but like, all right. What that? I don't want to side with the doctor. Cause yeah, maybe he is an asshole and maybe he didn't try that hard during surgery, which is weird. Or maybe he just wasn't qualified for it. The thing, but, the um, thing that the thing for me is that he definitely didn't need to kill this dude. <laughs> like, well, and that's the thing, Kay, you got that too, right? Like, okay, so the elevator comes down, yeah, cuts his hands off, yeah, and as if that's not bad enough, then all of a sudden Justin decides, no, we're just going to drop the elevator too. And yeah. I thought like, okay, well, I thought he was going for revenge because he's just like on the, um, on the painting, he's like crossing out the hands. Yeah. Which uh, to me, I thought was going to be a, almost like a voodoo doll kind of situation. Like right. he draws the person and then whatever he does to the drawing is what happens to them, but it doesn't that would, happen that would for the rest cool. of the episode. So I guess it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just, he's just leaving some evidence behind. Yeah. Basically he's just like, look what like, I did. Like um, later in the episode. Holy shit. Like we'll get so, to that when it comes, but. So yeah, his um, revenge then is not just to cut his hands off, which I guess I'm going to cut your hands off. So poetic. you feel that immense, horrible pain. Right. And the loss of your money makers right. before I drop you down a, a shaft. So that, that whole like three seconds of revenge before your death. Right. Yeah. Cause and that's the thing is I'm just assuming he died because, uh, I don't know if the newspaper clipping later in the episode actually spells out for sure that the doctor died, but it doesn't, I, I, you it have just to says assume doctor loses his hands in elevator accident. Right. But, like, he dropped him down an elevator shaft, and it looked like more than just a couple floors. Yeah. Yeah. There might not have been that many floors left to drop him after the initial drop. But either way, this dude's hands are are gone. and he. But that's the thing is, after this has happened, like, he's kind of still, like, drawing over the, with his red marker. He's, like, scribbling over the yeah. hands, and he's, like, grinning psychotically. I'm like, okay, we've got a real sick puppy. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he's definitely taking um, pleasure in his revenge. And uh, it's like you said, I think before, or or maybe it was, or you said it before that they kind of don't waste time establishing. Like, there's a no who done it here. It's yeah. uh, this is your bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. They don't even really try to paint that he's a good guy in any way shape or form they don't try to make you sympathize with him i don't feel like it anyway i mean they explain to you 
throughout the episode a couple times what happens and they give you his perspective but at no point are they like it's acceptable that he acts the way he does right and like like as he goes through like the other thing is is the next person he kills is isn't even somebody who deserves it but I can't remember you know, the next person he kills we'll we'll get to that we'll get there um but that's the end that's actually the cold open ends with him kind of smiling after what he did to the duck. So that's, that's our opening credit scene. Um, the next thing is it's career day. Uh, and there's somebody telling Clark that he could be seen in a uniform flying and is asked if he had ever considered joining the air force. And he's like, uh, I'll think about it. And then runs away. Yeah. Which is a weird reaction. Um, yeah. but I mean, okay, I do, I do like the, the, the slight, I can see you in a uniform flying Clark. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, yeah, obviously it's, it's, I guess, is it a pun? Does that make it a pun? I don't, I don't know if it's a pun. I think it's just more of a like wink. Hey, he's going to yeah. fly one day. Wink, I like wink. the wink and the nudge. Uh, I also like literally smiled ear to ear when Chloe ran up to Clark from the daily planet booth talking about an internship i was like god damn chloe's gonna intern at the planet that's awesome yeah yeah well even before that uh i guess pete is going to be working at the mayor's office for the mayor's campaign like that's the thing is something i mentioned i was going to mention the opening about like what i liked about this episode is that there's actual character development with the side characters in this episode there's a lot of character development throughout. There's a lot of, uh, and we'll get there. It gets a little messy emotionally towards the end. I, and I right. don't mean messy as in like plot wise. I mean, like we start to establish that relationships are going to start to get or impact each other. Yeah. Yeah. The things, things won't be the same. Yeah. It's, it's a surprisingly deep episode. It doesn't seem that way for maybe the first half of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of doesn't, it kind of seems like it's just going to be like, it's going to be that Chloe is mad at Clark and then is going to be not mad at Clark by the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, kind of like in drone. Uh, yeah, pretty much exactly like in drone. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the other thing I guess we find out right before Chloe comes over is that the guy Clark was talking about, uh, the Air Force with is uh, Principal Kwan's son. Uh, we learn that here. Uh, and then, yeah, Chloe comes over about the internship, but she's kind of despairing but because they take four people and, like, there's over 500 applicants. And, yeah. But this Clark's is for the like, planet, well, right? The, the planet position. Yeah, for the planet, for the planet, because Clark, because Clark's like, well, why don't you, why don't you go to the Inquisitor? Because like Lex offered to hook you up, and she's like, no, 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 fuck all that. Yeah, no, I, I want to be at the best paper. She wants to be at the good paper. Yeah, and who can so, blame her? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete suggests. That they that she apply she apply again in person when they're in Metropolis next week for the uh, student journalism conference, which Clark forgot to sign them up for. Okay, so this is maybe like the first hint at 
relationship dynamics in this. Right. Where it's like, um, Pete's like, oh, you can do it at this thing. And Chloe's like, oh, yeah, we can totally do this at this thing. And Clark's like, or, oh, um, yeah, Chloe, that thing that's like super, super important to you uh, that you asked me to take care of, I totally didn't. And she calls him on it. Mm-hmm. Why? Is it because you've been spending all that time with Lana? And he gives, and he basically says, well, yeah, but. And the butt is no excuse whatsoever. It's like totally no. like lame. He's like, oh, but the talent's really busy, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wow, Clark, you totally just like took Chloe and something that's super, super, super important to her for granted and yeah. shit all over it. Yeah. And, 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 and she's, and, and she's like, she's like, look, she's like, I've spent 45 minutes with you this in this entire week. And it was because my car broke down. She's like, she's like, if you don't see what the problem is here, like, and then she like kind of walks away and he's like, I don't know why you're being so hypersensitive. And then Pete finally lays it on the line. Now Mm -hmm. there is no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, don't you realize that? Like if he wasn't so blinded by Lana, he'd see that Chloe likes him. Yeah. And, and yeah. And now like that thing is Clark it hits Clark really hard too, because like, I think in the very next scene, he's like really thinking about it already. Like it really, it really never did occur to him. I think it like, even though Ryan told him like three episodes ago, he may have realized that Chloe had a thing for him, like maybe just a little crush or, or is attracted to him. Right. But I think Pete's like, no dude, not does. She doesn't just find you cute. Chloe wants you. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first time that it kind of like Pete now looking at Clark going, if you would forget about Lana, your crush, the girl that has a boyfriend, you could see that maybe you'd have a great relationship with this girl who already wants you. And I think that maybe yeah. wakes Clark up and he's like, he for the first time starts thinking about Chloe as like a potential partner. Yeah. Whereas he really hadn't before. He's like, man, you mean all those times where she came over to the barn uh, weren't just to give me clues so I could run away? Yeah. Yeah. Up until this point, he's been really like... She, she walked... Of just she, kind of using Chloe. Even if she, he's not asking for the help or, or demanding that she help him, he does really just kind of take, 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 take. And yeah. up until this point, to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't really given a lot back. Yeah. Even so much as, like, failing her when she falls out a window, one of the few times he actually fails to save someone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, we cut over to Chloe, closing her locker, and a hand reaches over to her, and she thinks it's Clark who she tells she isn't interested in apology and she turns around and it's Justin and she's like stoked to see him because uh, like he's been gone all this time, like six months. And apparently she was one of the only people who actually kept in touch with him, which he really appreciates. Like, he's like, look, you, you got me through a tough time because like, no, like no, barely anybody saw me. And like, I was kind of out of sight, out of mind with my friends. I, the, the two very cool things about this scene is um, I don't doubt for a second 
that Chloe and Justin knew each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a yeah. lot of the times in in uh, TV shows, they'll throw in a character that needs to just show up for an episode to serve a purpose. Right. And you're like, okay, well, this character's never been talked about, and there's it feels like a guest actor. Whereas yeah. Adam Brody does a really good job, I feel, anyway, of integrating into Smallville High. Like he feels like he belongs there. He feels like he knows Chloe. Him, the 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 chemistry between Adam Brody and Allison Mack is great. Like they seem like they get along really well. They seem yeah. like they like each other really well. And then even so much as to when Clark comes around the corner and now sees Chloe flirting with with Justin, mm-hmm. I don't feel like Chloe accepts Justin's um, date proposal. She doesn't accept it out of spite. She doesn't accept like she doesn't like she put, just put her nose it. up in the air and look at Clark. You know, you know what I mean? Like she accepts no. it because she is. This guy is also interesting. This guy is also yeah. nice. This guy is also has potential. And Clark doesn't show any interest. Right. And so, so to to kind of uh, uh, build upon what you said about him kind of integrating really well with the cast, it, on, on like a more modern show, like if Smallville was a show that was on today, he would be on like a three or four episode arc. But and like he wouldn't even reveal his powers to Chloe in this first one. Like we might we might know because of what happened. The elevator scene might have still gone the way it went. But then he might have gone like a couple of episodes and like it would have really built. Like he's really scary and he could have been like eliminating people for a few episodes and then gotten stopped. Like if it was a more a modern show. Um. Because yeah, he integrates with the cast. He has like chemistry with pretty much everybody he talks to right so i don't know i just thought about that and like you're probably right in in modern shows i think maybe he'd be recognized at, at like kept the chemistry would be recognized as well as the talent and you'd be like we need to make sure this guy comes back or something so they might have actually changed the arc of the character around the actor which happens a lot more right. today than it used to right but uh but he kind of uh, did you watch Saved by the Bell a lot? Uh, not a ton. Some. Saved some. by the Bell was just brutally guilty of. If you go onto um, uh, YouTube, there's like some conspiracy theories that Zach Morris murdered a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> because like people would come into Saved by the Bell, they would show up for one episode, they would be incredibly important for that one episode and then they would never be seen or heard from again <laughs> and they would always have something to do with like messing around with zach morris's life and right. that's and, the kind of thing where it, yeah he just they end up under his garage um and this is kind of one of those situations where this could have played out like that we've actually had guest characters in smallville already that it was like like the ice guy who are you you don't matter you yeah. feel like a guest character to me. But with Adam Brody, I 100% believe this is a guy who went to Smallville, got hit by a car, did some rehab, and is now back. And Chloe was the only person cool enough to try to keep in contact with a hurt classmate. And now they're bonding over that. Like, it 100% feels uh, genuine to me. And that's the thing. Of all of the, of all of the kind of freak-of-the-week villains that deserve a comeback like somebody who could return he is one of 
he's on the short list of people I would have expected to have another episode and then never did. There is a tie-in. Uh, when I was on the one... IMDb looking for um, uh, like the, the credits and everything for the writers yeah. and the air date, uh, it does say that there's a tie-in somewhere in season three or four. I don't know if it's him coming back or they just discuss him. Yeah, I think maybe he he must come up at some point, maybe with uh, 33.1, maybe. That would make sense. Yeah, because that's the thing is, I, I looked and I was actually like, oh, he doesn't actually come back? Which is super surprising, because he's a, a great actor, it's a good character, and he's got a great power dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll discuss like, later, because I, I, have, I have questions and not necessarily concerns, but there are things about his powers that I want to bring up. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll get around to that. But um, where were we? I guess, we, yeah, we were just to the part where, like, yeah, he's kind of, uh, like, letting her know, like, what it meant to him that she sent all those emails. And he kind of draws from that, like, he just, like, he's like, look, let's go for coffee. Let's, I don't know. Do you want to do that? And she's like, yeah, let's do that. Like, I'm in the process of reevaluating my life, too. Um, this is the actually the scene where I noticed that he was left-handed because she asks when she can see his cartoon again, and he kind of lifts his left hand, and he's like, eh. Drawing hands oh, a little yes. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, she, she says, yeah. Um, Clark just happens to be kind of over his shoulder when he asks. But yeah, like you said, Chloe was going to say, yeah, anyway. So, but she, I think she says that she's reevaluating her situation loud enough that Clark hears her. Yeah. I think that might've, when I said she didn't do it out of spite, that, that last line might've been a little bit of a spiteful jab. Cause she right. does look kind of directly at Clark when she says it. But yeah, up until that upset. point, it's like she's noticed Clark standing there before this. and But up, up until that one line, to me, it didn't seem like Clark being there was a factor in the decision at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so actually, I think maybe the weakest storyline in the episode is we go over to Lex, which is, it's crazy to say that Lex's storyline is the weakest, but it is, I think. It um, might be because I don't remember what happens with Lex in this episode. So, and I think that's when I spent most of my time doing notes. Yeah, he's in Metropolis at the cemetery, and we see uh, Lex is leaving some lilies at his mother's tombstone, which is like fittingly like baller, considering who she was. This was weird to me though, because like, yeah, I because I, I I got the impression that it was her tombstone as well but he's not mm -hmm. in the cemetery yeah he's, like he's in the middle of a park a public park or something so i'm wondering if it's just like a a, a headstone a dedication a park dedicated to her it's kind of like a, a shrine i guess not a mausoleum yeah because well it's weird because the headstone looks like it might be a headstone like a, pro a proper headstone but i don't i i really doubt her body is there in this park um because yeah, I don't think because we see from different we see the um, cemetery or this this park area from a different angle, and I think there are other tombstones, 
but I don't, I can't say for sure. That might just be my oh. brain drawing them. Oh no, to me, it completely looked like they were in the middle of a park in the middle of like a downtown area. Yeah. Cause when you, when the scene opens, you're seeing Lex approaching it oh. and behind him, you see the buildings. Memorial yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. A memorial. So I'm wondering if it's a memorial park, like dedicated to her. That could be. Um, it's kind of cool. It's got like this, uh, this statue that has its palms upraised and one hand has like flame in it. And then the other hand presumably has water in it. Like they're little bowls. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it looks good. It obviously, it, to me, it looks kind of fake. Yeah. No, I think um, elements of it for sure are. But it does seem like big and pronounced and uh, like it makes a statement enough that you you totally believe like the Luthers paid for this. Like yeah, you believe Lionel put this here and that she would have not wanted something this crazy. Well, I, I don't know if I can necessarily say that because we know next to nothing about Lex's mom at this point. Yeah, but that's to true. me, this does seem like a Lionel kind of thing. Like, if you walk past this park or this part of the cemetery or wherever this play thing is, you are going to stop and notice this one. Doesn't matter who you are. This is the one that gets noticed. The most important thing about this entire scene is that we get the timeline for how long it's been since Lillian died. And we know that Lex was 13 when she died, and it's been nine years, so we know now that Lex Luthor is 22 years old. That is how old he is in this episode. That Lex is 22? He's 22, which seems too young. Um, yeah, but I, I don't... Yeah, that actually does seem young. I would have pegged him at, at the like least age 24 consider because consider the whole club zero thing that would mean he would have not even been 18 when that happened well that makes sense or, though or he would that have been 19. Buy. he would have been 19 when that happened i totally buy that lex luther right. would have absolutely been paying to get into clubs illegally yeah yeah Anyway, like it's it's all there's a lot of there's a lot of plot holes when it comes to the ages and how long people have known each other and stuff like that in this show. But um, I now that now knowing that, though, like I can't stop thinking about the fact that he is as young as he is. And I guess it sort of colors. Maybe it makes him seem more mature than he actually should be at his age. Yeah, maybe that's a good thing, though, because Lex is supposed to be, like, genius. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lex is supposed to be a genius and well-established, and because of the way his father raised him, he would have a thicker skin. So I kind of see it, especially because when he gets into areas of um, emotional vulnerability around the Kents, there are mm -hmm. times he really does seem like a little kid still. Yeah. And it would make but, sense yeah. that he would see it if he's 22. Mm -hmm. I can see him. It makes more sense that he'd want to be friends with Clark. It makes right. more sense that he doesn't have a problem flirting and hitting on 
uh, Lana. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because the age groups are at least that much closer. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if they're 16 and he's 22, that only puts a six-year gap between them, right? As so. opposed to, like, 26, 27. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's still creepy, but not oh, as no, creepy. Oh, yeah, it's just it's, it's <laughs> wrong in a lot of different ways. I'm not, I'm not saying good for him. I'm just saying it, I guess it makes a little more sense that way. But, so, like, in this scene, like, this woman who's come to, like, talk to Lex, uh, he doesn't really want to have anything to do with because she kind of just disappeared from his life. Um, and she claims to urgently need to talk, but he's just like, yeah, no, uh, I don't think I'm really interested in hearing anything you have to say. And he's like, bye. And just gets out of there. Yeah. But she'll be back. We'll, we'll get, we'll get back to that. But, uh, uh, I guess we go over to the torch after that. Um, and Clark walks in to see Justin and Chloe looking over some of his old comics. Uh, and Clark just asks how he's feeling, like kind of gives him a welcome back or whatever. Um, but then he kind of right away is like, did they ever find like the driver of the car? Like what's going on? And Justin's kind of uncomfortable. Like he says, I don't know, like for a long time he couldn't remember anything, but he remembered part of the license plate. Um, and Clark is trying to like, like, Oh, we should, we should contact the police. And Chloe's just like, how about, just like leave it alone like she's just like wants clark out of there she absolutely like dismisses clark and she's like flat out i ha don't have time for you now you didn't have time for me before yeah you don't show any interest in me you mm -hmm. screw up the daily planet thing or the, <laughs> the 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 young news reporters conference or whatever the hell it is you yeah. screw that up I am spending time with someone who is now a friend, could potentially be more, and now you want to come in and start occupying yeah. my time? Well, because that's the thing. Clark tries to change the subject and be like, oh, hey, so uh, Lex managed to get some tickets to the conference, and Chloe's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going with Justin because he's already signed up. Yeah. Uh, and Justin's kind of like, whoa, like trying to diffuse the situation because he starts to see what's going on here a little bit. And he's like, let's just all go together. And Chloe's like, nope, nope, no, nope. We're not doing that. We don't need yeah. to do that. Yeah. Chloe is is like not taking any shit at this point. No. She flat out is she's dis she's dismissed Clark at this point. Yeah, she's like, much. we're done. We're done for a little while. And yeah. we'll reevaluate this at a later date. Like she does, she just does not want to talk about it right now. She gives no fucks. Yeah. So uh, like Justin's trying to like at the same time as like when it kind of fizzles that his plan, like his idea of them going together isn't going to happen. He kind of gets up to go, but he knocks his books on the ground and Clark, of course, Anytime somebody knocks books on the ground, there's like a slip of paper that's like some incriminating evidence. <laughs> every um, time. Every and time. He just has a newspaper clipping detailing the accident that his for his doctor's hands. And Justin rips it away from him, but like thanks him for it. He's totally keeping souvenirs. Yeah. So number now, the doctor is the only person we've seen Justin attack at this point. Right. But he showed such uh, prowess with his powers that 
you have to assume he's been practicing. Probably trying and on a couple of first. trophies, uh, he, he might already be a serial killer. He's got like four or five stethoscopes in his room. You never know. It's entirely possible. It's, a, it's like a necklace of stethoscopes. Or just like a bunch of dead birds and puppies and stuff. Like maybe he started with, <sighs> with pets and now and the doctor was the first human kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Could be. That's a that's a dark chapter. It, <laughs> to, to add. I, I'm sorry. I just recently watched Mindhunter again. It's, it's mm. such a good show. Mm. Uh, what else happens in that scene? I think that's the end of that scene. I think it's next is Kent Farm, um, and uh, Lana pays a visit to order more pies. And the day I was like watching this episode, I was pretty hungry at the time. And could not stop thinking about fucking pies after this. Like, for the rest of the episode. It was just, like, pies. Where are the pies? I want to see the pies. I need pies. What kind of pies? And uh, apparently Martha is in class. So Clark offers to take the order. Um, And they kind of get to talking about what's going on with him and Chloe. And if they're still fighting. And she must have overheard or saw what happened at the career fair. But this is a kind of a like a scene like there's a lot of silence when they're talking like or Lana's responses to what Clark is saying start to become fairly abrupt when she starts to figure out that he likes Chloe. There's a lot of subtext going on and this is where, like I said earlier in the episode, the B story starts to become more interesting than the A story. Mm hmm. Because up until this point, you've had Chloe and Clark fighting because Clark is neglectful of Chloe. But we've seen that before. Right. This is the point where it goes from two separate relationships into a triangle, if not a square. Yeah. Because Clark is still here actively flirting or or not necessarily flirting, but still fawning over Lana. Mm-hmm. But he tells Lana that maybe him and Chloe could happen. Lana at this point starts telling Clark about the difficulty she's having with Whitney. And then Mm -hmm. once hearing the news about Clark and Chloe, you see her face physically change. And now you can see that she's now worrying about losing Clark who she never had. Yeah. Because when Clark is going, going into what he thinks uh, about Chloe and that like, uh, when he saw her and Justin together and Lana finishes his sentence, like being like, yeah, jealous. Um, but, and then Clark, w- Clark talking about it the way he does, like unpacking his feelings the way he always does with Lana. This time seems to make her way more uncomfortable because yeah, like you said, she feels like she's going to be the one losing out here. Yeah. Um, and, and- Clark was smart. He'd start like pushing towards like, well, you tell me Lana is Chloe cute. Maybe Chloe finds you cute. You both find me cute. I find you guys cute. Just push yeah. Whitney out of the side. If you got a three's company. Yeah. It's not a crowd. It's not a, no. no. Play Jack Tripper. Get it done. That's <laughs> that, that is a reference. Literally <laughs> like what yeah, the audience is going to get. Yeah. If you saw is- a TV show back in the seventies, kids. <laughs> that is a that is a point two percenter. Yeah, 
Although it's still one of the greatest comedy series of all time. If if you can find Three's Company anywhere, if is that shit on Netflix or something? It should uh, be. Maybe. Maybe. I'll totally marathon Three's Company. Anyway. It's on that it's on that silver screen channel on cable. No, that actually, now that I think about it, might be really offensive in this day and age. Oh, for sure. 100%. I like the fact that it might have been a cool poly relationship they were trying to cover up, but they totally I I just now remembered that Jack had to pretend to be gay. And that there were a lot of jokes at that expense for, oh, yeah. for the landlord to allow him to live with two women unmarried. Right. It was a different time, you know? It was the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I... I don't know. My notes are a fucking mess. Because, like, again, I was in, like, pie mode. Because I was like, how many pies does she want? Ask her how many pies she wants. And the answer is apparently a dozen. And I said, too few! So in my notes. Uh, we're assuming that Martha is cooking pies then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't get that, but because my I, I'm taking notes on the conversation they're having, and then like Lana turns around and leaves, and mm -hmm. my note is wait, what was she there for? So I obviously missed the entire pie conversation. I'm just like, did yeah. she just walk in, unload a whole bunch of emotional baggage? Clark did the same, and then she just turned around and said, okay, bye. Yeah, because after Clark goes on about Chloe a little bit, he does, like, ask how many pies she wants. And then the way she answers very abruptly, like, a dozen, he kind of senses what's going on. And he asks how Whitney's doing with everything going on with his dad. And he also asks kind of if, if she's okay and the way she responds lets us know and maybe clark know to believe that maybe things are not quite as good as she says despite that though like she kind of just wishes him good luck and just pieces yeah i um i get the feeling that like she did show up specifically to kind of i, I mean sure she needed pie Right. But I think a big part of it was to explain to Clark, maybe she needed Clark's um, shoulder or, or ear to just bounce some, some of her feelings off of, because right. I, I th this is the scene where she's, she's like, I don't know what's going on with me and Whitney, because when his dad was sick, I was there for him and everything was great, but now his dad's getting better. So now he thinks we can pick up where we were before. And I don't know if we're still in that place or I don't know if I'm still in the same place. Right. Yeah. So she's definitely. And, and, and I didn't get this impression, but maybe it is part mm -hmm. of it that she's definitely like hinting to Clark. I don't know if me and Whitney are a thing anymore. And me and you have been hanging out a lot. Yeah. And she knows Clark wants her. Yeah. Cause she absolutely knows that. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's getting messy. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, uh, there's a kind of a short scene where, uh, Justin is working on that portrait of Chloe and he's got like, something has already been drawn. Like it's partially drawn and he picks up like a pen in his hand and he just kind of scribbles on it in like a line. And then he crumples that one up. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's lost pretty much all um, motor 
any dexterity and pretty much all motor control in his hands. Uh, and my only note there is like, uh, it, I don't know if I have anything that I'm that passionate about, like drawing right. or anything like that. And I can't even imagine the emotional turmoil you would be in if you lost the ability to do something that you loved so much. Well, it, it's not close. It's not really even close to the same thing, but and it's probably not even this probably doesn't even happen to everybody who is like decent at drawing. But like I used to actually be like really good. And then I just stopped doing it for a number of years or just got to a point where I was only doodling and never kept any of my artwork. And and it got less and less and less and less. And now I fucking suck. And I would like I would give anything just to have just this element of these powers. If I could only use telekinesis to make art, I would still take it. I would do so much more. But I understand if you had a restriction. I just I don't yeah. know if I've ever been exceptionally good at anything. That's yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't like ne like you you couldn't be like a, the Olympic world champion of one specific thing. No, well, I mean there was a point in time I probably could have drank anybody in the world under the table. <laughs> I legitimately believe that, and it's not that I was. It's just that uh, like my brain and body would not shut down. I could just keep going. I I mean at points I would go on autopilot. That's called blacking and, out. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Like, the vodka was running the ship. But, the SS vodka. Yeah, it was probably pretty dangerous. Um, there are stories. Um, but, like, I, I mean, yeah, oh, actually, no, now that I think about it, no, I do, I do. No, now there is something. I just don't want to bring it up. There are, there, there there are definitely drinking stories, man. Like, oh, uh, so just in case anybody wants to know, <laughs> the uh, the little weird whining sounds you're hearing on Paul's end are his dog. He's not like making out with somebody while recording the show because some mm -hmm. of those whines and moans are getting a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he's really upset. Um, no, uh, I used to for a while. I guess I starting early junior high all the way through high school and then a little bit into my early 20s i did quite a bit of acting and was really good at it was told i was really good at it got kind of rave reviews from all of my peers people who weren't my peers professionals teachers directors things like that and then just you know kind of in my mid 20s got hit really hard with depression and a lot of other things and just kind of gave up on that and right. every once in a while i think back on it and i'm like no yeah that's that's the thing that is my crushed hands yeah just, just acting kind of doing that yeah yeah my my crushed hands is just that i got lazy and stopped i mean that's the thing is like i do see friends or like people i know or people i follow on like social media the kind of art that they're able to pump out in like a couple of hours of work and i'm like that would take me a week i've always that. been super jealous of like great artists like paint and paint and sketch mm -hmm. artists oh, but i'm jealous of musicians too or sculpt sculpture people who yeah. like put the, together sculpture those, those kind of, i mean because like the fact that i did for a while act and i don't want to say that it came easy to me but it was just like 
something that I could do. It, it just felt natural to me. Whereas creating something with my hands or anything musical seems like miracles to me. Yeah. Like magic. Like they're so out of the realm of possibility for me. And I've tried, man. I have an electric guitar sitting right beside me. Beside that, I have a trumpet. I have a harmonica. Like I have tried to pick up instruments and teach myself even the the easiest of things. And I just have no musical talent whatsoever. Yeah, I'm sort of the same way. I have a bass guitar that's just is covered in dust. So totally mm-hmm. jealous about that and yeah that was, I mean. <laughs> this this has been existential on WeCast. <laughs> yes this is our artistic crisis 101 <laughs> uh but yeah that's pretty much all that scene oh my is, other basically. talent other than acting uh, um, i'm an incredible lover <laughs> <laughs> uh not gonna let that slide out <laughs> i almost just died on my coffee Oh, it had to be said. It had to be said. No one else. No one else. I'm such an incredible lover. No one else is going to give me props for it. So I might as well big up myself. <laughs> oh Christ! All right. All right. Okay. okay. Um. But yeah. So he he uses his telekinesis to, uh, create that uh kind of, that kind of watercolorish looking drawing painting of chloe in the pink dress which i wonder if he like somehow knows about her prom dress like why the pink because she doesn't wear pink um and she didn't wear anything like that similar to that in this episode no but yeah anyway he just drew this thing for her or whatever and and it's sort of just like a use case of his power like he obviously has very like fine motor control with his power like he could he can pump something out like that in a few seconds. So he, it's just sort of like a showcase of his powers, really. All, all, all that scene really serves. Um, yeah, but well, because until this point, they don't really define how his powers work, right? We've only seen them the once, and it was with the elevator. So you, right. and, and like I said, when we started the episode, is I thought it was some kind of voodoo thing, is that he just sabotaged a drawing, and then... Well, who knows? Kind of took its course, and it it kind of did a um a final destination thing. But this shows that he, or is this the scene that shows he's controlling things with his mind? Yeah, yeah. Because he's got like, the pencils loaded. up and everything. Yeah. So this, but you like that's the thing is there could have been a, an early draft of this story where he creates this picture of Chloe, but then later when. For, maybe in a different version of the story, he starts to get jealous of her and Clark and then starts to fuck with the the painting of her and Clark comes here to stop him or something. I'm not like, going to lie. I like that idea better because it's, yeah. it is more um, intrinsically tied to who he is as well. Instead of like, oh, all of a sudden you can move things with your mind. It's like, no, no, no. Now the art that you lost, the because uh, I like your take on it too, where it's right. like his he, he can only use telekinesis to create art, but then he can use the art to influence the subjects of the art. Like, uh, so it just this just kind of came into my head. Like the way he could have done uh, Principal Kwan is he could have been like aware of 
like somehow using his telekinesis aware of where Quan is and say Quan's getting home from school from the school and is like parked the car in the driveway to lift that trash can up. And then while he's bending down to lift up the trash can, the car runs him over. Well, because even even after the whole Quan thing, they go into his Chloe goes into his room, right? Opens up that book and then finds the comic strip of what happened. So it's still him doing a drawing of and the drawing influencing what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that idea way better. I don't know. And I'm not saying that that's what their idea was. I'm just saying to me, I, I think that I find that much more effective. And it also, because when we get down to it, I was thinking, okay, so Adam or, or Justin can move things with his mind telekinesis brought on by the accident, but does that qualify as magic? And if so, does it affect Clark? And then you get to the like final fight and it doesn't, all he can do is throw objects at Clark and they do nothing to him. But if it was a painting or a drawing and he affected the painting, then I think he could affect Clark. Mm. The other thing that they don't really do at all is explain how, with no meteor intervention, how this power happened. Well, he says something, it's a one-off line to Quan when he's got him and he's like, yeah, weird, you know, I lost, uh, or I, I, this started shortly after the accident. It's almost as if I gained one sense by losing, I gained another uh-huh. sense or, or control over one thing by losing control of the other. So it's, it's a throwaway line like that. Right. Right. But yeah, like, I guess, I mean, yeah, we just kind of, we, we, like, I didn't even mean to tell, to say what happens to Quan this early in the episode, but we now know, but, um, back a little bit, um, at school, Clark is kind of asking about, asking Pete about Chloe and what's going on with him and Justin and, and Pete's opinion of him and all this other stuff. But Pete catches onto Clark's apparent jealousy here and is like, Look, you like you need like you need to like relax because she's found somebody, you know, a nice dude. I and yeah, just laughed. I kind of like laughed to myself at this. I'm like, it's so funny to me watching Adam Brody kind of try to mad dog Superman because he does oh, yeah. get right up to him. And, and it's, for some reason, I like my mind blanked on the fact that he's telekinetic. So he and he doesn't know who Clark is. So all he knows is I could literally throw a car on you with yeah, my yeah. brain. Like he's not he's not afraid of Clark at all. No, because he's got no reason to be. And at the same time, Clark's looking at him going, who are you? <laughs> who, who is this guy? Is this yeah, guy? That's a, yeah, because like Pete, uh, Pete uh, is shown the newspaper clipping by Clark and then like Justin standing right there, like right behind him. Uh, and he explains that, uh, you know, it's, you know, kind of poetic justice. Uh, what happened to the doctor, but then he also points out that he doesn't really appreciate Clark talking shit behind his back. Um, yeah, but, uh, and that he w- should give Clark his chance with Chloe. Like, just basically tells him to back the fuck off. Which is fair. Yeah. I, and I mean, and I'm not, like, necessarily taking his 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 side, but Clark's had all this time. And right. didn't take it, it didn't even realize it. And, and not to, like, bash on Clark too much, because 
I am one of those people that's 100% oblivious if someone is flirting with me. Yeah. So oh, once... I kind of get where Clark is coming from is that even if Chloe was throwing out those signals, he just didn't see them. And I'm one of those people. Like, I don't see it. And like, you have to use words and be very literal <laughs> or I'm just not going to understand what you're talking about. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I guess at the next scene, uh, it's the mansion and we find Lex has an uninvited guest uh, in uh, Pamela, and like he walks into his into his kind of study, and he's just like, "What the hell are you doing here?" Um, like, how do people even get in if he doesn't want them there? Like, <laughs> yeah, I always thought that, like, because we've had this discussion about Lex walking into his study and knowing people are there and then talking yeah. about them. Like, he just opens yeah. up and like, "Hey, Clark," or "Hey, Lana," like he knows they're there already. Yeah. But then sometimes he walks in and doesn't know the person's there at all. Or, and I have that, to assume or, that he has one really, really great butler and one really shitty butler. Yeah. Or it's like people get access. Like, he's like, yeah, by the way, this person is here and they are going to see you. He's like, I was having a fucking nap. What the fuck do you mean somebody's here? <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's possible too, I guess. Yeah, he's Luther, like, you, I, have, you have company. Yeah. But you would think he would have like a blacklist of people. Yeah. And that she would be on it now. You would, I mean, you would guess because they make no qualms about the fact that she's not his favorite person. Right. Yeah. And she, she tries to appeal to him, reminding him that after the meteor shower, she was kind of the one person who didn't look at him differently. And he kind of, I mean, he's just kind of just trying to get her the fuck out of there. He keeps rejecting her. Uh, and he rejects her assumption that she can just walk back into his life after so long. Um, but then he kind of just asks what she wants. Um, and she says she wants to know, she wants to know, wants him to know what really happened. Um, about like how Lionel kind of threatened to disinherit him if she ever had contact and then Lex kind of throws it back at her, like, well, then why would you choose now to reappear? Like, did my father's uh, threat have, like, a like an exp expiration date? This whole relationship really kind of confused me for a little yeah. while, because has, has she stated what she is, like, what her relationship is at this point? I just like, well, she hasn't out and out said it, but I think she was like a nanny. That, and that was my guess as well. And I think we kind of find out that towards w when Lex when gets Lionel his gets next involved. visitor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, for now, he basically, she basically wanted to like get a look at him to see if he could remain true to himself despite Lionel's efforts. To make him his son and not uh, Lillian's son, um, and she, but she asks for his forgiveness, and he tells her that she needs to find a way to grant that to herself. Um, and then the next scene is at the Talon, where the pie economy is booming. Ooh, because Lana's the pie. Lana makes like kind of not like 
it's it's kind of a throwaway line, but to me it was just like, yeah, vindication, because I guess the pie is the one thing that's selling right now. Oh, so yeah. props to Martha Kent. Apple pie, yeah. And uh, Lana and Clark are chatting a bit when Whitney shows up, and he's kind of he's kind of like a like he's kind of turned the corner on the whole thing and he's kind of really happy and, and like upbeat and he's got big plans for taking Lana on like this date. That would be like a meaningful thing for her. And absolutely uh, the happiest we've seen Whitney. Um, yeah, there was, and like you said, he picked something that he, he's like, oh, I've got tickets to this thing. Cause I know you like it. So yeah. he's like sacrificing his own time or or at least showing interest in one of right. Lana's interests, even right. if he doesn't give a shit. Like he really is diving deep into the relationship. Right. But when he kisses her on the cheek, she kind of pulls a face. And we kind of get a sense that maybe things are kind of shifting like that's earlier scene coupled with this uh, kind of lead to you know, a sense that, you know, things are changing and maybe yeah, my only note here was, right um, was, uh, huh. So Lana's not into a boyfriend who appreciates her interest and shows her affection. No idea what that's like. No idea <laughs> at all. Nope. <laughs> Fuck this scene. <laughs> Tears. Yeah. Crying emoji. Where's that fucking vodka? <laughs> SS vodka. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But um, her and Clark discuss the idea of having to redefine that relationship, uh, which Clark kind of needs to do with Chloe. Like she feels like, like they kind of discuss it like after Whitney leaves. Um, But he goes on to talk about how Chloe gave him some advice or no, how Clark or how Lex gave him some advice about someone else that needs to be, I guess he feels like he missed his shot. Like he very obliquely talks about how he feels like he missed his shot with Lana, but it's not very clear whether Lana is picking up on it. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I thought he, this is the scene where he says Lex gave him advice to go after what he wants. So yeah, and, some, something to the effect of that. And My I notes thought are... he was talking about going after Chloe. Did you think he was talking about going after Lana and failing? Yeah, yeah. There might be a lot of layers to that statement. Yeah, yeah. I I can't I can't remember because my notes aren't very clear on it. And I'm trying to remember what Lana like. I know Clark was talking about pretty much openly to Lana, saying like, "Yeah, I, I had this friend once that." I had a chance with, and I, I didn't, I didn't go for it. And I think I lost my chance forever, but he's like being like, not subtle at all. Like not subtle, like not subtle enough that she shouldn't be able to put two and two together. Yeah. Um, well, I think Lana knows though. Yeah. I think Lana knows. And I think Lana also likes him at this point in the show. I think she's just resisting because she has a boyfriend. She has someone that she does care about. But now she's realizing that maybe those feelings aren't the same as they've been. Yeah. 
and she's uh, she knows that she likes Clark and that they've been getting much closer as the weeks have been going, especially when Whitney hasn't been there and has been assuming in Metropolis or at least very emotionally distant. Right. Yeah. Like, who knows? Is is Whitney's fuck? Is Whitney's um dad in Smallville Hospital or is he in Metropolis? Oh yeah, like we it's... never did establish that, did we? I think he's in Smallville because it's there's been lots of instances where fuck this this dog is driving me crazy now. Like you can't hear a thing. Attacking. Honestly, he's just attacking me. Um, <laughs> he's attacking you. Oh no. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, but it, so the next scene is over at the torch. Um, and Justin pays Chloe a visit, and she kind of lets him know that she f- sent the partial license plate over to her contact at the DMV waiting on the results and he doesn't seem very excited about it, but he has something for her that he worked on all night unrolling the portrait we saw earlier. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. He's working on a sweet, sweet gen one lime iMac. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the iMacs are, a thing for a while yet. I, I think, think this there's... is like the third color she's had too, because I'm sure she had the blueberry one and a grape at one point. Yeah, because remember the in the 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 episode where the coach had firepowers, like the third episode, he destroyed the torch in that episode. Ah, oh, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah. So Lex Lex is obviously in the pocket of uh, Apple at this point. <laughs> I, uh, I wonder if they've got like um. Uh, any, any, well, they must have, cause Smallville gets, and we've talked about this before. They get really like product placey whorish <laughs> with product yeah. placement. Like it gets bad, uh, pretty soon. Um, so I'm wondering if they got any kickbacks from, from, uh, Apple because IMAX had just kind of come out around this time. Well, I'm trying to think. I remember working in an Apple warehouse when this came out, and I'm trying to think if that was before me and you worked together. It might have been because if it, it would have had to have been. It, it had to have been because, uh, well, maybe I don't know because I don't think I think this the whole, is season one. When did you start watching season three? Uh, yeah, I st- well, what happened was is I borrowed season one and two DVDs from you. Okay. To catch up before season three started. Okay, so, so this it would is have entirely been possible then that I was working in another warehouse, in an Apple right. uh, warehouse, during this <laughs> season. Because yeah. that's why I know, like, all the colors and I know, like, that they were named after fruit and blah, blah, blah. Right. Because uh, I shipped thousands of those things. Um, right. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got maybe some marketing. Because this was, right, right before this, Apple was nothing, folks. This is, like... Yeah. PCs had just started to take over. Windows was destroying everything. And this is when Apple started to kind of make a small comeback on the PC. And and we're not very far off from uh, MP3 players, I think. Yeah. This would have been the time to buy some stock. Oh, God. Well, the stock already would have been pretty expensive, but it would have been a great time to jump on board if you hadn't already. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but uh, like Justin pulls out his master card his met his, his romance card really makes his play here because he get, shows her the picture and she says it's it's beautiful and he's like oh not as beautiful as you 
Um, and he reveals that after the accident, that as he was laying on the road, he thought of her because he'd always had like the biggest crush and was regretting he was about to die without ever getting the chance to tell her how he felt. And you can literally see the moment where she was his. Oh, yeah. 100%. That, I mean, like, how, you yeah. can't compete with a line like that. No. You can't. Yeah. So fucking smooth. I, I'm totally going to use that line. <laughs> in a bar to... on a total stranger. It's, it's going to work, right? Yeah, you have to get in a car accident first, though. And then oh. six, spend six months uh, recuperating. Uh, make sure you, they get, get you some emails. Um, yeah, it's, it might be a little tricky. I, I could 100% wear a fake cast. I'm just saying. Oh, sure. I mean, you could. Um, this just got me thinking, like, because, like you said, 100% Chloe's in now. Um, yeah. I just, like, think of all the kinky shit you could do with telekinesis. <laughs> you don't even have to be touching anything. It's crazy, the possibilities. He could be like, hey, check this out. And she just, just starts coming. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> All the things I could do uh, just with my mind. With my mind. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, not hard enough? Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. I'll just move all the blood in my body to the... Oh, I'm passing out. Oh, God. Oh, this is getting... This is getting to be a bit much. Um, But yeah, so they start making out, and he obviously hasn't had any experience like this while having powers and so everything in the room starts floating around them okay yeah so this is this is what brought on that thought is all mm. that shit starting to float i'm like oh think about the possibilities yeah <laughs> that alien doll could really you know do some damage uh yeah but like everything's floating around them and there's a mo- moment where chloe opens her eyes and sees the things floating and when she pulls away from him, everything falls. And she's like, what the hell was that? And he's like, yeah, I have powers. And, like, she just doesn't freak out. Is this the first time Chloe has seen someone directly with powers? Um, God, I, I'm i going to say no, but I can't give you an example of who it was. Who okay, because I, I just, like, I feel like she's always either not there and like in the background trying to put things together or gets like knocked unconscious. Mm -hmm. So doesn't necessarily see the powers, but this time, but yeah, she, uh, she kind of like makes it not a big deal and is sort of to kind of break the ice, be like, let's make everything float again. And they resume where they left off making out until Clark walks in, uh, and catches them for a sec. And there's like, a moment where him and Justin lock eyes and Justin's got like a shit eating grin on his face. Um, and he like Clark asks for a word outside and as soon, basically as soon as Chloe's around the corner outside, a fax comes in, um, over like, like next to the computer. And I tend to pause as I'm doing my notes during the scenes. And I happen to pause when this was happening and actually like the facts is like a fully formed like document that they actually went through the trouble of the, the like 
the props department actually made something that would plausibly come through from a DMV or whatever. Like it had like Quan's name. And I was like, oh shit, because they reveal basically in that scene. And I think you're you're meant to be able to see that anyway. But um Oh, yeah. when it's they're getting the confirmation on the license plate. Yeah, yeah. And that it is it like it's it gives the full license plate and then um Quan Quan's name. So uh yeah. I don't think it gives full full first name for Quan, but it, you um, get I don't know. It might, because it is actually his car. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we, we get that. And then out in the hallway, Clark is questioning whether this thing is moving too quickly with uh, Justin. And Chloe is like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> and that she's been emailing with him for six months. And that she might know him better than she knows Clark. When yeah. When she thinks about it. And, and um, I'm, I, this... This whole scene, and I can't really get into specifics, but like I have a note here that like this is excellent character relationship development between Clark and Chloe. Yeah, because it's kind of establishing everything we know at this point, and it's throwing it all on the table. Right. Well, it's also it's also like a a quick scene where it's like I mean they never really do explain stuff like what class they happen to be in during this period while they're at school like what they're actually what class they should be in because they're in the middle of having their argument um and she just kind of lets him know that her life does not revolve around him and he should probably is just jealous because she found someone special and isn't afraid to take a chance with her emotions and she kind of just like she she kind of just spikes the ball basically in that moment and just walks away as the bell rings and the like the hall starts to fill up with students like this has happened before in this show, but like basically when a character has had the last word, the bell rings. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to just get out of a scene to cut a scene. Yeah. And it's a good way to like establish that I have the last word here and you're not going to make a scene in the middle of the hallway in front of all of your peers. No. So no. my last line is the line that stands. It's, 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 I mean, it's easy directing and it works really well. Um, as far yeah. as what class they're supposed to be in, it's entirely possible that they just have like uh, free Open blocks period. or stairs. Yeah. Well, they're they're like I don't know, man. They're filling up their like their freshman year with spares when they should be doing that in their senior year. Well, I mean, man. Chloe is working on the torch, <laughs> so it's possible that she gets credits for that. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Clark is just fucking up though. Clark Clark is gonna be Superman, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah. How does he yeah. become a reporter? He never yeah. goes to college. Yeah, no, no, yeah, exactly. He just, uh, whatever. He I took, <laughs> just I, shows up in Metropolis I one took, day. I took a, jo- a journalism now. a journalism night class and just bumbled my way into this job. Pretty much. Yeah. That night, um, oh, doesn't, uh, Chloe says something at some point. I think it was much earlier in the episode where she talks about how men are from Mars, women are, are from Venus. It's it's way earlier in the episode, yes. Yeah, yeah. But um, before we get to the scene in the barn with uh, Clark and Lex, there's actually the scene where uh, Justin takes out Quan, where, uh, like, he basically sets it up. So he basically meets Quan in his driveway and, like, knocks his garbage can over. So 
Quan gets out of his car and uh like Justin starts monologuing like he goes full villain monologue um and like Quan is like what the fuck are you talking about like you should go home I'm I'm going to go inside and Justin like outright accuses him and Quan's like I didn't do it and so he pins Quan to the garage with like using a very sharp looking lawn light he pulls like one of the lawn lights out and like yeah pins him to the door and then he's like hey i wonder if you know what it's like to be hit by a 2000 pound car and then he does that proceeds <laughs> to hit him with a 2000 pound car now there's a little bit of a difference here in um between the way he pins Quan to the uh to the to the garage door versus what you see in the comic later because in the comic right. it looks like they were gonna tie him up with like uh extension cords a hose and an extension cord or something right um i think this actually works better yeah 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 no having him be incapacitated and not be able to get out of the way you know and when this happened i was like a couple things went through my head so he hits the principal and i'm like Oh man, are they actually going to kill the principal? Nah, he'll be okay. He'll just be in the hospital or whatever. But you find out later, no, he's dead. They killed yeah, him. He he died. Yeah. Um, First... And I was, it got me thinking. Like, I kind of wish, uh, love or hate Game of Thrones, especially after the finale, whatever you feel about it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I will forever appreciate about that show is how, in the first couple of seasons, it killed off people you cared about. Yeah. And so there were actually always stakes watching that show. You always felt that it was possible that no matter how important a character and how much you love them, there was a chance that they were going to get, yeah, you know, nixed. Well, and they, they trained you to, with that, with Ned Stark, and then they really gut punched you with the Red Wedding. And then after yeah. that, it was just like, okay, well, literally anyone can die. Anybody. Um... And they kind of got a little cowardly and got away with it later yeah. in the season, in the series. But I, I did appreciate that there were always stakes and you never knew. And I kind of wish more TV would do that. Like if you right. would have made Smallville and maybe not end of season one, but beginning of season two, four episodes in, killed Chloe or Pete. Mm -hmm. I would have legitimately believed there were stakes for the rest of the series. Right. But part of it me just, is just like, you never have to worry in a show no. like this, like ever. Yeah, there are no, there are no main, main characters in the series that die, except for characters that part of, uh, that as part of the Superman mythos need to die. Yeah. And then the, with the exception of maybe uh, a certain person with the initials LL also dying. Yeah, yeah, but even that is kind of a cheat. Yeah, it kind of needs to because it's actually established in his origin in some versions of, of Lex's origin, you know. And it's forever uh, away. Like, that takes a long, long time. Yeah, it's like season eight or, so, or something like, like that. Like, there's a lot of stakes in this show that it's just like, they get, like they're not going to kill Clark, obviously. For sure. I like you said, there's a couple characters that come and go, mm -hmm. but also don't necessarily really go. 
Yeah, and you know what true. I mean. So it's it's very it's it's weird. We'll get there when we get there. But it was just a weird thought while watching this. I'm like, oh, they killed Principal Kwan. That's something I didn't see coming. Okay, right. there are stakes at, at play now. So I was even yeah. though he was kind of a minor character, yeah. someone important to the show was killed off, and like they shift over at some point to Chloe, who's trying to. I don't know, write an obituary or do a story or something. And Allison right. Mack is doing just some incredible holding the tears back. Got to keep busy to distract myself from the emotional yeah. turmoil. She's frantic. She, she's frantic. It is amazing. Yeah, she's doing she does job. it so well. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly that I was going to say is that she, yeah, she's really is like freaking out in that, in that part. But bef- I think before that, because the way Clark finds out in this episode how how Quan died is Clark is in the loft reading, actually reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, the book, which is played for laughs like a moment later when Lex walks in and he's like, you should probably not be reading that. It's not really anything useful in those pages. <laughs> which... Um, all the books that like Lex is mentioned in this show that yeah. I, like uh, Alexander the Great and Napoleon and this and that and yeah, the Art of yeah. War and the Seven Rings and right. this is the only book this show has talked about that I've actually read <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember a damn thing about it. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like, uh, like, like you said, like I think I don't think maybe maybe later in the series uh, Lex brings up. He might bring up the Book of Five Rings, the Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah, yeah. I actually have read that, and that is that is a very dry book. Yeah, they kind but of all are. It's fucking. It's sweet though. <laughs> uh, but no, he Clark is very. He tries to be really vague about his these friends of his, and Lex has a pretty good line where he's just like, for argument's sake, like. Let's call them Lana and Chloe. Yeah, I made a note of that specifically too. I'm like, ah, funny Lex. Funny Lex is good Lex. Yeah, yeah. And so Clark lays it out to Lex what he's going through and how he wants to protect his friendship with both of them. And Lex throws back at him, then you'll never get either one. And Lex also says something incredibly smart and insightful that like, I think if like, teen like for teens that were watching the show like at the time this show was on like if high school students were watching this they could take this as actual advice where he's asked where he says that love is about taking risks and you have to be willing to take those risks and i fucking absolutely believe that to be true yeah uh there he says something at one point um, Clark, Clark says something to, to Lex about, well, why don't, why, why don't you have somebody Lex? If you're, you're giving me all this, in, this advice, you know, I don't see you with anybody. Why, why aren't you with somebody? And Lex says at some point that like, some people are just meant to be alone, Clark. Yeah. Um, he, he says that the two, the only two women he ever loved, one is dead and the other one betrayed him. Yeah, so we're at, and we're talking, I guess, right now about his mom, right? And we're assuming the nanny, mysterious nanny character in the show. That's what I'm maybe, assuming at or, this point, or maybe, or maybe Victoria. 
maybe Victoria. Although I, I really didn't get a sense that Lex was in love with her because he, he yeah. played her just as well as she played him. Oh, you know in who fact, he might, better. You know who he might be talking about though is the chick from um, Zero, the one that oh, killed herself. Maybe, maybe. Her. Although she's also dead, so he she's also dead and him. didn't betray him. Right. Um. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, no. I and then like Martha has very little, like very little to do in this episode. Um. Like she shows up basically with like a single line that's just like, oh, Principal Kwan, something's happened to Principal Kwan or something yeah. like that. I mean, like, she does it well. Yeah, she does. But she's, I think she's in, she's in that scene. And the only other scene she's in is closer to the end of the episode where she's with Clark in the talent. Oh yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it is the next day at the torch where Chloe is like frantically running around and like Pete's got a couple clippings of Kwan and she's like, it figures she's trying to put it together on like a, a memorial and she can't find any photos of him. It's so insanely well acted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so really, well acted. Like I'm blown the away best, how good it is. It's the best Chloe episode so far for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the crew and the writers are going to spot this as far mm-hmm. as uh, like uh, her range goes, uh, her emotional, um, a vulnerability and availability range goes because they, they don't necessarily lean on this, but mm. I think they kind of realize that like, if we need to drive a point home, we can totally use, uh, Allison's, um, just kind of energy emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they, and they do. Um, but, uh, Clark tries to help, but he, she's really not capable of allowing him to help with in her, in her emotional state. Like she's just, she's too emotionally spent to be dealing with Clark. Um, Yeah. Just going to add in more emotional stress. Like she's got to like focus on the one thing she's doing right now. Clark is another distraction. Also more emotional pain. So like you need to go away right now. Yeah, and then he really fucking puts his foot in it when he, like, connects the photo of the license plate with what he knows about Justin's hit-and-run driver, and Chloe's like, get out. Like, she's like, it, yeah, there's no he's way. Essentially like, hey, Chloe, I think your new boyfriend murdered our principal. Like, he doesn't say it in that many words, but he's, he's right. hinting at it. Chloe's smart yeah. enough to know that we've played the Scooby-Doo gang enough right. that I know where you're leading with this. Right. And she's like, nope. You're done now. Goodbye. Yeah. And she, yeah, it, it's basically like that. Cause she's just like, she, but she also is slightly blinded because she just believes that Justin would never do that. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and now, uh, I think the next scene is like one of, again, like I always, I, I almost always put this in my notes. I'm just like, now it's time for some of my favorite bits of Smallville, a conversation between Lionel and Lex. And I just have Lionel in capital letters with a bunch of exclamation marks. Yeah, yeah. And so Lionel informs Lex kind of in no uncertain terms that they are going to sell Cadmus Labs, which we know, like, Lex does a good job of, like, keeping a poker face because we know that Lex is using Cadmus as a, a front. Because remember, he's got Hamilton 
hold up at Cadmus. Yeah, you know, my, my note there is uh, selling Cadmus Labs, huh? Doubtful. Yeah, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, um, but a vested interest in keeping, uh, like Alex obviously has a vested interest in keeping it, but only reminds Lionel about his veto rights as concerning their business dealings. But he also doubts, he like points out that he doubts Lionel came all the way to talk about Cadmus. And so they talk about Pamela a bit. Um, but Lionel, I don't know how, how much of this is Lionel manipulating or, or tipping his hand too much, but he he kind of is the reason why Lex finds out that Pamela is sick. Yeah, that seemed like a weird play. Yeah. Um, but it, because, and I don't know what the point is. Is it to disarm Lex a little bit? Because this is, you're essentially in this scene learning that Lex is about to lose another mother figure. Right. Right? Like, he's already lost his actual mom, but mm-hmm. now we've put two and two together. This is his nanny or a very good friend of his mom's anyway. Um, maybe both. Yeah. Um, and that she had as much, if not more, uh, a hand in raising Lex than anyone else in his family and probably showed him more emotional support and more love. And right. now Lionel's, and I don't, is he just poking at Lex? Yeah. It's, weird it's like, Oh, just... well she got away from here with enough stock. She, she doesn't need any more of your money. And then Lex is like, well, or no, he says something. And the Lex is like, she's not here for the money. She got all those stocks when she left, she left with a whole bunch of shares of the company. And Lionel's like, huh? I wonder if she spent it all in treatment. Oh, didn't you know she's dying? It seems she's like very weirdly brought up. Yeah, he says something. Uh, he says something like that, but I think it's more like he she didn't want to sell her stock to pay medical bills. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, it, but it hits Lex super hard because he Lionel's like, "Well, what did you say to her?" And Lex is like, "I told her to get out." And, and then Lionel sorry. just leaves. Then just Lionel just leaves, and Lex is sitting there like dumbstruck he's also really shitty about it yeah he he alludes to the fact that she has cancer Mm -hmm. but he's like oh maybe too many days soaking in the sun on the beaches of blah 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 like yeah wow fuck you dude like (laughs) (laughs) yeah no kidding but uh there's a there's like again like clark violating a crime scene uh, oh yeah, showing... yeah. He's, he's at the garage. Yeah, and he just literally walks walked past the police tape. Yeah, and then Quan's son is like, "Dude, what are you doing here?" Uh, but not quite upset enough, honestly. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like my dad died here yesterday. Yeah. What are you, stranger? Yeah. Although not really a stranger, not I guess. Really. She was trying to recruit him. him the other day. Yeah. Uh, although Danny mentions that his dad had the keys in his pocket. So it doesn't seem like the car should have been able to run into him, right? Um, it just seems like the car was slammed into him. And uh, Clark asks Danny if he knows Justin. Um, and it has kind of a reaction of kind of Danny turning turning away and trying to get Clark to get the fuck out. Um, and then Clark kind of manages just to put together just enough to be like, it wasn't your dad behind the wheel, was it? And he kind of comes clean. Yeah, he puts up, like, no fight whatsoever. But here's the thing. 
Quan is still complicit because he covered it up to protect his son. So it was going to remain a total secret. They were just going to get away with that. Did Quan know? Did they establish that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His oh, dad okay. did it to protect him. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. then I guess you're right. So, but did he deserve to die? Probably not. Well, I mean, I'm not Judge Dredd. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I am the law. I am the law. You know what? I am just make another Dread with Carl Urban. God, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I like that one. It really, I mean, that's the thing is, I think part of its goodness is that it's so much better than the shitty one. Yeah. Well, like, it's just I, a great, I think it's a great universe too. Yeah. And it all takes place in just one building. And I go, I know everyone's like, well, it's just a rip off of the raid, but it's still really good. I thought yeah. they were supposed to make like Netflix was going to make a series based on it with Carl Urban from what I heard. And it, every episode would have just been him walking into a building at the beginning and walking out of the building at the end. I, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'm going to watch that movie tonight. I think eight buildings. I still have two episodes of the Witcher to watch. Oh, the Witcher's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. That, that show has sold like a couple million copies of the game, apparently. Uh, and the books. And the books. Everyone's I'm reading the books. rich off that no. Netflix. I'm reading the books. Uh, I downloaded them. I haven't started yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, back to our podcast about Smallville. Uh, Martha and Clark. Um, or no, no, no. This is the scene where Chloe is reading, uh, like finds his comics that he's been making about his murders. Yeah. <laughs> He even fucking colored them. Like I never color anything I draw, but this motherfucker like full color. He oh, inked dude. those motherfuckers. Yeah, they're inked. They're lettered. They're like good to go. <laughs> He's got like the boxes. Meanwhile, at the Quan residence, like they're really crazy. Um, but so, but she tries. She's like she hears him coming. Uh, she closes it as he comes in the room. But she's having a really hard time hiding that she knows, and she kind of flinches at his touch. Um, she gets the, she kind of makes an excuse to get out of there, um, and like pretty much right after that, he notices that his portfolio is not sitting where it was sitting before, like it's sitting on its side, and so he totally he's onto it. Yeah, yeah, and he shows um some jealousy. Yeah. Here, doesn't he? Does he, she says she's got to go see Clark about something or whatever, Somebody, and he, he's yeah. like, "Oh, Clark, huh? Blah 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 blah." Like, yeah, some for something that's over, you're sure kind of hanging around him a lot. And she's like, she says, "Yeah, I'm gonna tell him about us. That's why I'm going." Which uh, I mean, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Which he accepts it, but then when he tur- it's when he turns around and sees his portfolio's been moved, he's like, oh, "Okay, well, shit." Oh, yeah. Oh, you were lying to me. Yeah, I'm going to have to kill you. Uh, Martha, uh, this is the other scene where Martha and Clark are walking through the town and she's commending him on convincing Danny to come forward. Um, but that's really like that's really about all she gets out before Lana rushes over to tell Clark that Chloe's on the phone. And then she manages to let Clark know where she is right before her phone is ripped out of her hand. And there's kind of a bit of like kind of horror movie, 
her running away from him and him using his powers to fling her around. Like he's really cat and mousing her. Like he's just toying with her. Oh, totally. He and he goes from like potential sweet boyfriend material to complete psycho abusive at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Like there's no there's no like slow slide into it. It's just no. immediately and that's the thing is like he first he throws her across the barn and then lets her run away. And when she gets into like the middle of the barn, he kind of lifts her way up in the air and then just drops her so that she can break her ankle. Yeah. Like there's one point where he's just kind of like hanging her in midair yeah. and it looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't look like he's being nice about it. So yeah. No. Well, he's obviously not being nice about no. it. But. And then like there's the part where he's kind of knocked her knocked her down and he's gonna chainsaw her into pieces like dude you're drawing, yeah. like yesterday you drew a portrait of her and now you want to saw her into pieces and is this does she on on her way into the barn this is where she's talking on a cell phone right yeah yeah because he he calls he, the talent to get a hold of clark right because yeah. sure yeah. Um, well, she was calling but, around, I guess. I'm just kind of, yeah, but I'm it. just trying to track, like, time and technology as the show goes on. Yeah. Because eventually more people are going to have cell phones. But I think aside from the Luthers, this is the first time we see that cell phones are becoming, like, a thing. Because yeah. Chloe's got one. And Chloe's yeah. not from a rich family. No. But Chloe's definitely, like, one, she's one, she's like a tech kid. So she yes. would be one of the first people to have a cell phone. It makes yes. sense. Totally makes it. Although her cell phone looked like a um, a Nokia. I didn't. I didn't actually see what it was because to me it looked almost like a, a hand recorder. Um. Yeah, but it would have been like one of those, like you know, those ones that were like I think it was like the ninety, the ninety three sixty or what. It was just kind of like a little brick. It. Uh, oh, it didn't even bricks at that point. Yeah. yeah. It did. It didn't even really have. Like, I think it might have had like a eight, like a like a sixteen color screen. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like really early on, like yeah, it something similar to what it w- would have been my first cell phone. Oh, um, maybe, maybe right. I'm trying to think. My first cell phone had a like a two color screen, like almost a Game Boy. Yeah, that, yeah. That whatever. Green and black. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this, something this like that. It's been a few years after that, so you're right. We're probably getting to 16 or 32 bit screens. Yeah, but yeah. So she. But yeah, her phone gets ripped. That's the first thing that happens to her. Her phone gets ripped out of her hand, but she, by that point, has already been able to tell Clark um, where where she is, right? I will so, say the floating chainsaw actually still looks really good. Yeah, it didn't look terrible. I was actually uh, kind of surprised. Um, but, yeah, he basically, yeah, like, Clark gets in the way just in time, um, and Clark tries to inform Justin that he got the wrong man with... Quan and he like starts to be like no he, like I didn't like I, I like I know who who did it blah 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 but then he actually does try throwing Clark and throws Clark into the loft but then Lark, like not even a second later Clark is just behind him yeah and then Clark just yeets him across the fucking <laughs> across the goddamn barn and uh <laughs> Justin makes the noise your dog just did um, I like, um, and this is where I get into like the whole power set with Justin thing. Cause I'm like, well, 
he he can throw objects at Clark all day. Nothing's going to matter. So yeah. he's going to have to either try to manually pull him apart. Move, yeah, like, he's either going to have to try to manual uh, like affect Clark directly, which right. he tries and it doesn't work. Yeah, unless he tries to rip him apart, like you just said, or, um, or find something like kryptonite to throw at Clark. But right. he doesn't know that that's a weakness. So no. it's where I go back to the original thought process. If it was a drawing thing and you mm -hmm. just affected the drawing and let the universe or karma kind of sort out what happens to the person. Right. It might have been more effective against Clark. Yeah. But then they would have been able to end the episode because this guy would have been in unstoppable. Right. It's true. It's I mean, true. Clark, Clark still would have been able to grab him and throw him and knock him out, which apparently yeah. is enough. That's the thing is like we get a little bit of stuff at, at at the end where what happened to him is he basically just got locked up in a psych ward. Well, guess what? He can just operate the tumblers of the lock. I with thought his mind the exact same thing. And Unless escape. he's kept under severely heavy sedation the entire time he's there, it doesn't matter. He's going to be able to get out. Yeah. No matter like, what. It's the weakest taken care of a character I've ever heard. And I have to wonder if it's because they wanted to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I thought. And then he never, never does. But the thing is Chloe, like the second, I think it's basically the second, like, uh, Justin's been thrown, uh, regains consciousness too. Like it's like, again, it's like that small, smallville does this all the time, but like, it was kind of super noticeable this time because, like, he threw her, he threw uh, uh, Justin, and then turned toward Chloe, and she was like, uh, rubbing her eyes. Yeah, well, I mean, she can't see Clark use his no. powers yet. No, no. Uh, not not till later. Uh, but yeah, Clark asks if she's okay, and she like really breaks down. Uh, they have a like a big hug. Yeah, I, I actually I like Chloe so much. Yeah. It really sucks that, like... It really sucks with the whole Allison Mack thing. It really does. Well, I mean, that sucks extremely in so many ways. Um, and we, we addressed that in the first episode. Uh, or episode zero, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's brutal. And I, it seems to... And we're going to see it. When I, when I wrote that statement in the beginning, saying that, like, we're not absolving her of her actions... But we're also not ignoring the fact that at one point in time, she too was a victim. We'll see yeah. it happen during the filming of this. Yeah. Because at one point, and I remember watching the show and talking to a friend of mine going, Allison Mack looks really emaciated. Like she lost yeah. a lot of weight. She looks sickly. She's lost so much weight. And that is the beginning of that whole thing where she yeah, is being Nexium. inducted yeah. into that cult. And that dude drove her to lose all that weight, even though she was entirely unhealthy and uh like in on on rosenbaum's podcast uh his most recent episode where he talked to laura vandervoort uh apparently she was approached to join and didn't oh that doesn't i wouldn't be surprised if all of them weren't yeah um because i well, mean that's the whole thing it was all about recruiting right so right yeah um there's a really short but kind of effective scene where Lex pays Pamela a visit in her hospital room and they share a few moments, kind of a catharsis about her regrets 
that she allowed Lionel to scare her into yeah, staying. Yeah, she seems a little life. post chemo at this point. Like she's not. Yeah. It, I, I don't get the uh, the impression that she's dying in that bed. Shuffling level, loose. But I get yeah. the impression yeah. that she's gone through maybe a round of chemo. Yeah, yeah. She's she wishes that she could have stuck around and that he has like a real feeling that if she had, he'd be a better man. Yeah. And she also kind of hints at the fact that she wanted to stick around after Lex's mom's death, but Lionel pushed her out. Like said, no, you're gone. See ya. Lex is mine now. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you start to get, I mean, the hints have always been there that Lionel is not a good dad. That he's, um, Mentally he's about his legacy. Abusive. He's very manipulative, but you start to get undercurrents of, of maybe he's not just cold and calculated that maybe he is evil. Yeah. Like he's yeah. just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to keep Lex away from anything that could, uh, he wants Lex completely dependent on him. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and. He wants to kind of break Lex of weakness and, and in a way, maybe Lex being loved or mm-hmm. showing love is or any emotion is in Lionel's eye a weakness. So he's trying to, to kill any possibility of that in Lex's life. Right. Yeah. So the, what I, as the episode was winding down, like I thought for sure, like the scene at the talent with Chloe and, and Clark was going to be just how it ended, but it, it takes such a crazy turn. Um, oh yeah. It so, goes off the rails real quick. Yeah. So at the talent, Chloe's a little worried that Clark is going to, I told you so her, but he really has to say that he's impressed that, you know, like she's strong enough to take risks with her emotions. And like, he really wishes that he were that strong. Um, and then he, she says like, look, why don't we still go to that journalism com- convention? And like, as a date, and he like reaches over the table and like grabs her hand and like the smile on Allison Mack's face was like, like super good acting. Like you can almost see like Chloe's like heart explode in her chest. Yes. Yeah. And this is, it just crushes me. Cause I'm just like knowing how the series goes, yeah. these guys never really get a shot. No, they never really get past here. Past yeah, this. it's it's always always Clark and Lana, and even when Clark and Lana is not good, it's still Clark and Lana. And I'm like, you couldn't have given us Clark and Chloe for two seasons or three. Yeah. And I think they had to. I'm I'm betting that that goes through the writers' heads, and they're like, if we get Clark and Chloe together, we never get Clark and Lana together. Because yeah, fans cause... are not going to accept that Clark would take Lana over Chloe. Well, that's the thing is they keep the triangle going for so long. Yeah. But it, it, it's a very weak triangle. It becomes kind of an isosceles triangle at one point. Like one one end of it is a lot weaker than the others. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, In the background, Lana looks not quite as happy because she sees Clark and Chloe holding hands. Um, and then as she's looking at them, she sees Whitney approaching. And so she walks out from behind the bar and it looks like she's going to be like, look, it's going to be time for us to have a chat and break up with him. But then, Oh, I totally, I totally read that the other way. I read that she's coming behind the bar cause she's going to double down 
No, no, and, like she, that's it, Whitney. Me no. and you forever. No, We're getting no. married. Blah blah. I blah. could tell the look on her face was like, "Look, I I'm gonna break it off." Uh, blah blah blah. And then she can't because of what just happens. Because Mr. Yeah. Fordman has died. Yeah, Whitney comes in and he's not bawling. He's not. He's is up. I don't know if anybody catatonic. This, yeah, anybody's listened to the podcast. If you've ever had like a, a family member die, with that that first couple hours where you're in this dream state, just like yeah. your brain knows it happened and you're not necessarily processing it. That so you're just kind of this weird fucking blank. No, I know friends who have lost parents, and th- yeah, it's they've said that exact thing. Like it's like complete shock, and it's not even really until it takes a while for it to really set in. Yeah, um, and and uh, so I, I mean I I don't remember the actor's name and I feel bad for that. Uh, and and Whitney never really gets his due as a character in this show, but uh, I, I'll give him props for this because he I think he plays it really well. Yeah, he does. Uh, and in the final scene of the episode is like the rainy ass cemetery, and like people passing glances around each other, and for the number of umbrellas here. There are people getting wet. Well, but just Clark. Well, no, at the end, like, there's a part where Clark just seems to forgo his umbrella and just stands there and just takes the rain. Um, and, like, there's a a pretty good version of Cindy Lauper's Time After Time playing. Yeah, I, I shazammed it because I'm like, this is a good cover. Who's doing this? Uh, the yeah. artist's name is Eva Cassidy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought it might have been like actually Cindy Lauper doing it. This is it's a really good cover. I love uh, Cindy Lauper. There's a couple songs from Cindy Lauper that I really love. Um, mm-hmm. This is a great cover. There's also a great cover was done on, or no, it wasn't Time After Time. Sorry, it was True Colors uh, done right. on Glee at one point. Right. Yeah, I watched Glee for a little while. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Someone will. <laughs> but yeah like at the end like that that scene where clark is just standing there being soaked it that scene literally exists so that we can get the hero shot of him standing stoically against the rain next to the angel headstone while lana and he stare at each other there's a couple things going on here that okay number one whitney's but dad's is, funeral right Whitney gets about two seconds of camera time. Yeah. Whitney's mom gets about two seconds, and then we're like, okay, we're done with the family of the guy that actually died. Now what we're going to do is we're going to watch Lana watching Clark. We're going to watch Chloe watching Clark. Now we're going to watch Clark watching Lana. Now we're going to go watch Chloe watching Clark, realizing Clark is watching Lana. And then now Chloe's pissed end the episode and i'm like damn there's a there's no dialogue yeah like, there's no, a it's lot all, yeah. of shit going on here with yeah. just looks all the right. while whitney's dead dad is being ignored yeah yeah it's 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 kind of insulting to that character and the character's family but it's also <laughs> again kind of horrible foreshadowing it is yeah um, and it, at the end, in my final note here is, but is it art? And then, where the fuck is Clark going at the end? Like, everyone else is walking away, and he's just walking further into the fucking 
Cemetery? Self walks away. Yep. Clark, hello? Like, it is so weird because, I mean, I... I mean, I've been to a few funerals. You almost always leave with at least somebody you're close with. Yeah, man. Like Clark Clark just asked Chloe out. They're apparently dating. He doesn't even leave with her to go get a coffee and maybe console each other a little bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, go Lana's leaving with Whitney because, okay, sure, she wants out of that relationship. She's not going to dump Whitney the day his dad dies. She's not going to dump him the day he gets buried. No. So Jesus. yeah, the whole the whole thing is engineered around getting Tom Welling as wet as possible. <laughs> Let's get that Welling wet. Yeah, um, yeah. Damn, and my what... last note is just I do wish Chloe and Clark would have happened. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. But yeah, I'm actually very interested to see the next episode now. Because I don't know how directly the fallout of this last scene is going to carry over. The next episode is is like, it seems like they should have shot them in a different order. Because this next one, it, like, you know how sometimes a show will do something that, like, should have repercussions. And then they just do, like, a, uh, like a fucking filler episode the next episode. Yeah. So that's, exactly, that's exactly what they do. Oh, okay. Well, not exactly. Because there, there, are, there are implications made in this next one coming up like about i think the ship and stuff like that might come into play a little bit oh that's very interesting i'm into that but the log line for the episode is completely not that um do we want to jump into this already we might as well we don't have anything else to say i don't think we're uh, at two hours and 16 minutes on my clock we liked we liked the episode a lot we like the episode, obviously. We gushed about it. If you guys have any questions or concerns, go ahead and get a hold of us. But until that time, Paul. It's in the top five. It's in the why top don't you five tell us the season. What's on the next episode? The next episode of Smallville, season one, episode 20, Obscura. Lana develops a form of clairvoyance after being injured by an explosion. And she has visions of the activity of a local serial kidnapper and killer. When Chloe is kidnapped, Clark must rely on clues from Lana's visions to save her. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Yeah, it didn't for it me. It must either. be a throwaway episode because that doesn't sound familiar at all to me. Well, that's the thing is they focus on that. Like, that's the A story. There's a bunch of shit that's going to happen with Dr. Hamilton and that fucking Roger Nixon dude and a bunch of shit to set up. Because this is the second last episode of the season, right? They're setting up for the season finale in this episode, uh, too. Okay. Yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, well, I guess we're into it. Although, when you hear this, ladies and gentlemen, the next episode will technically be Batwoman episode nine, Crisis on Infinite Earths part two. It's just that they're not releasing synopsis of them, so we can't really do on the next episode properly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. The next Smallville episode, you'll get what Paul said, but on the very next episode from us, it will be Crisis on Infinite Earths part two. Yeah, and I mean, I could, I guess I could look that up really quickly, but eh, let's just, we'll... Fine, we'll we're fine, we've got a good. format, let's stick with it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, I guess until next time, what happens? What do we do now? Uh, oh, somebody, I say, 
I say somebody save us.